Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the revolutionary Matt. Hello there. Hi Matt. Um, oh, immediately my dog starts screaming. <laughs> it's been an absolute nightmare editing these recently. I know, I'm sorry. Between dogs and failing technology. I know. I, I swear he's he's starting to lose his marbles a little bit, bless him. Oh, bless him. Right, okay. I've opened the door for now, and he can decide what he wants to do. Um, anyway, I mean, it's good that in some ways that he's provided a bit of a distraction for us, Matt, because we're not going to have a lot to talk about this week, are we? Oh, David, we've got so much to talk about. Um, we, we've well, got the big return to discuss. We have. We have, yeah. Um... The Wheelie Big Quiz. It's back next week. I know. So exciting. <laughs> it's what it's what what the whole nation has been talking about, Matt. Yeah. All I, all I can see is like on Twitter, people hashtag Doctor Who, hashtag Return. Mm. So. It's got to be. It's got to be the Wheelie Big Quiz. Mm. It's got everyone all a flutter. Um. But yeah, so we're talking about Rose uh, Rosa this week. Yeah. So. There's going to be some some stuff to discuss there, no doubt. Um, uh, but let, let, before we get that, we might as well just address it up top, mightn't we, Matt? There has been some Doctor Who news. There has by been the time this goes Doctor out, Who be, news. Yeah, by the time this goes out, it will be very, very late. But, um, you know, I have no other venue for my, for my opinions. So, um, uh, uh, I, before I even say my piece, what do you make of it, Matt? Obviously, this, you know... You're as experienced, you know, you're pretty much as experienced as I am with the RTD era at this point. Um, are, you, are, you, are you happy to see that Russell T. Davis is uh, returning as showrunner? I, I've, I've taken a bit of time to reflect on it. Because at first mm-hmm. there's that initial shock of Cole Blimey, RTD's mm-hmm. back. And yeah. I, I think this is excellent news. I think this is the best case scenario. Hmm. I don't think I would go that far myself. I, I think we've got the man who revived Doctor Who returning after after he left Doctor Who. Effectively, everything he's touched has turned to gold. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. You know, I think he's going to bring a little bit of prestige with him. And I think he mm-hmm. can bring back the BBC's love for the show. That's the hope. That's the hope. Certainly. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I've. I, I can't interpret whether it's a vote in, of confidence of the BBC in Doctor Who as a as a brand, if you like, mm-hmm. to dislike that term, um, to to bring RTD back. Is it them saying, "We love Doctor Who. Who better? You know." To to uh, to breathe new life into it than than the man who's already p- got a p- such an incredible proven track record, both on that show and in other endeavours in in TV writing, um, or is it the BBC saying, "Look, we're desperate here. <laughs> we need lightning to strike twice." <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's a little bit of both, but you know, yeah. I I think given that desperation, I don't think there was a better choice. Potentially not. I mean, I, I, I think I've been quite upfront in 
in the old RTD versus Moffat debate, I'm more of a Moffat man at heart. Um, whilst I enjoy the RTD era, I don't enjoy it as much as the Moffat era. Um, they're kind of the inverse of each other in that RTD's take on Doctor Who is on the surface level quite bubbly and silly, but underneath there's a lot of darkness and cynicism and yeah. pessimism. Whereas with Moffat, you've got a lot of surface level darkness, but ultimately a very, a very warm, hopeful message at the core, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the latter, I think, is my preferred form of Doctor Who. But either works. And also, I, I'm not one of these people who sat there thinking, oh, God, he's going to bring Tennant back. He's going to bring Murray Gold back. It's going to look... He's going to shoot it in SD. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to be um, back to 2005 again. Of course it's not well, going to be that's that. it. I, I, I was thinking today. I was like, think about the end of the world. Yeah. And that room full of mishmash crowd of somewhat cheap-looking aliens. (laughs) And I was like, imagine that with today's budget and standards. It could be... could be brilliant. It could be amazing. I hope hope that they give him the budget to match his ambitions. Mm -hmm. And presumably, like, he has a vision, otherwise he wouldn't have agreed to do it. Mm. You know, it's not something you wonder in value to. It nearly killed him the first time. (laughs) Now he must have a plan. I I want to talk about his plan because okay. I I was thinking, what is he going to do? Mm-hmm. And I... well, his his first episode is going to be the sixtieth. Yep. Which already is exciting. It's nice to have that confirmed that there will be a sixtieth anniversary special. Very good chance that it will be introducing the fourteenth Doctor, mm. which would be quite exciting. We've never had a new Doctor. In an anniversary, I mean, I get you could argue maybe the War Doctor, but you know what I mean. Like we've never had like the new incumbent Doctor be introduced in an anniversary special. That could be really interesting. Mm. Well, I think this is my big prediction. Yeah. And I suppose we can probably talk about this in four to five years' time. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to bring back Ace. <laughs> right. I think. Yeah. In the same way he brought back Sarah Jane, I think we're going to get Ace back for an episode or two. Right. Uh, Potentially even a spin-off series? Uh, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't mm. know if I'd go that far. Um, but I, I can just see it happening in almost exactly the same way as School yeah. Reunion, Sarah Jane. Just a little adventure, Ace is on the scene, and we get a bit of a reunion. I think, I think uh, you're you're probably very very uh, close to the mark there. I think there's a good chance of that one, if only because of the classic companions. Once you get past Sarah Jane, Ace is probably the one with the widest overall recognition. Yeah, that's it. Like, um, I, I I just I I can just see it happening. I I yeah. just thought that when I thought of it, it it was the one where I thought. You know that is a good. Well, yeah, that is a good prediction, and I, I'm I'm very keen to see if that if that comes to fruition. We'll only have to wait what two three years. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, we'll be celebrating. But... We'll, we'll, we'll look back on my 40th birthday. <laughs> it's mad the gap, isn't it, as well? Just it's so, I mean, it's completely unprecedented. It'd be like if um, Philip Hinchcliffe had come back for the McCoy era or something. <laughs> you know, it's so bizarre to me that, that you know, and, and this is the other thing that, that slightly tempers my enthusiasm. And I, and I emphasise slightly, this is still exciting, interesting news and, and I'm very excited to see what comes to pass with it. Um, but... One of the things that I personally love about Doctor Who is how collaborative it is. Mm. Nobody owns Doctor Who. People just look after it for a while. And I like the plurality of voices and um, interpretations of the show that that gives rise to. And I am slightly disappointed that, that, you know... We, we could have maybe had a female showrunner. We could have had a person of colour. We could, we could have had someone who wasn't a middle-aged white man mm. for once. And 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 we we it's not just that we've got another middle-aged white man. We've got a middle-aged <laughs> white man who's already had a go at it. Who, you know, who did four years on the job. We know, we know to an extent what his vision of Doctor Who is. Now, obviously, that will have evolved in the intervening years. And um, the other thing to keep in mind is that, is that they're, the BBC are partnering with Bad Wolf Productions for this, which is obviously the production company that was born out of his era of Doctor Who and has gone on to have great success with things like His Dark Materials and stuff like that. So there's a lot to be very interested and excited about here. But... Um, do, you, do you think he yeah. can get Eccleston back on board? <laughs> I doubt it. No. I really doubt it. Because, uh, unfortunately, because RTD is one of the names that, that, that and I think some of the other higher-up producers from his era of the show, you know, those people who are now going to be back in charge of Doctor Who, I think, if anything, this announcement is the thing that has most permanently put the kibosh on any possibility of Eccleston showing up for the 60th. Um but hey, I'm I'm still really enjoying his big finish stuff. The second set um, was even better than the first that came out a couple of months ago, and it's it's an absolute delight. He's he's having a lot of fun doing those, and I think if if you're jonesing for more Eccleston, that's that's the place to go at this point. Go on, make make a bold prediction. I've made my bold prediction. Make a bold prediction. <sighs> okay, my bold prediction which maybe isn't so bold in the light of what we've heard about Series 13, I think RTD will actually... I think Series 13's experiment... I don't know whether I should even spoil this for you, because you haven't heard anything about Series 13 yet, have you? Not a... No, I'll tell... I'll tell you, because it was something for you to look forward to. We don't know the specifics, because I've not seen it either. Um, Series 13's one long story... Okay. Six episodes. Um, sort of more akin to like a classic serial. I have an inkling maybe if that is successful enough as a model, you know, the, the streaming model, it's something that RTD has been doing with his other shows recently. Um, 
it's it's sort of almost the way that people expect television to be nowadays. Um, so I wonder if he's going to actually do that. Maybe do shorter series of, you know, three to five episodes. Maybe and and make sure they're like clockwork every year. Maybe even once, you know, a couple a year. Um, something like that, as another way to kind of keep it more regular and potentially keep it in the public consciousness a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pure speculation on my part. Absolutely nothing to back that up. Uh, what, uh, whatever it is, it will be interesting. Uh, I, I thought you were going. I thought no you doubt. were going to say whatever it is, it's going to be brilliant. That's my <laughs> prediction, Matt. We see. I don't. I'm really. I, I, I'm really hot and cold on RTDs. Like he's written some fantastic stuff, some episodes that I absolutely love. But his tendency towards like very bombastic finales and and that sort of like his his whole the Doctor is the lonely god figure which which reaches reaches its apex with the tenant era it's just not my preferred interpretation mm-hmm. so i hope he does something very different i hope his take on the 14th doctor is very different to the doctors we've already seen from him and a lot of that will be down to the casting and you know the press release said one of the first jobs he's got on his hands is to to cast the 14th doctor so um that in itself is massively exciting. It's just a shame that it's completely overshadowed what little hype there was about Series 13. Yeah. You know. That, poor that, that's Whittaker. just treading water till we get back to the good stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I won't say any more for now, but, but um, yeah, interesting times ahead. Um, exciting. So, uh, what, what, what else has been going on in your... Uh, your life this week then Matt uh, well I sat down to have my tea this evening then mm-hmm. you sent me a message saying are you ready then <laughs> James Courtney sent about 50 tweets then Married <laughs> to Who started sending me tweets I was just so stressed I just wanted to eat my burgers in peace David <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry Matt the life of a podcaster eh? yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well since I talked about my cheeseburgers should we do meal of the week yeah, why not? Uh, do you want to go first? It's an evening recording. We can do breakfast, lunch mm. and dinner. Okay, well, I'll tell you my breakfast. Uh, Wheatabix with a bit of chopped up banana. Oh, lovely. Mm. Uh, lunch. Lunch has escaped my memory for the moment. It can't have been exciting. <laughs> uh, and my dinner was just a bit of pasta. Oh, nice. Pasta and sauce exciting times um but meal of the week undoubtedly um was this saturday just gone um when i was sat at the park uh on a bench watching little absorbloff uh have a play um and uh tucking into a lovely cheese straw from thomas the baker's oh nice well Mm. uh, i might as well Tell you, tell you my meal of the week then. Yeah. Because it, it's been my wife's birthday this weekend. Oh, yes. So we, yes. we've had a pretty big celebration because the last two have been in lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so Friday night we had a big takeaway, big pizza. 
Lovely. Saturday, I took her to a local restaurant. We had a big meal and some cocktails, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, on her birthday, we got a chauffeur-driven Rolls-Royce, which took us to afternoon tea at one of the local, like, big hotel stately homes. Ooh. But David... Very fancy. My meal of the week was Saturday, and I can't believe you've stolen it, because it's when I had a chicken and stuffing bake from Thomas the Baker's. <laughs> but, it's a double victory from Thomas the Baker's. For, for all the big posh meals I've had, those chicken and stuffing bakes just absolutely just <laughs> did everything I wanted, just filled the void. I mean... It's fair to say anyone who lives outside of the north of England is uh, is missing out. It knocks Greg's into a cocktail. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Thomas the Baker's. So yeah, like like I say, I was sat in this most beautiful stately home restaurant yesterday. Mm-hmm. Got driven there, like I say, in a nineteen forties Rolls Royce, and the, all I could think was, it's going to be really disappointing when my meal of the week was that chicken roll I had. <laughs> No, I, I can believe it, though. Oh, I can believe man, it 100%. It was so good. It was yeah. so good. Sounds like you had a lovely weekend, though. Oh, it yeah. was absolutely top draw, you know. Mm. Treat my beautiful wife since she's had two birthdays in lockdown, so... Yeah, fair enough. Um, the other bit of news that I wanted to mention, and there's no easy way to segue into it, Matt, but it's something that I kind of wanted to update our listeners on because it's something that I've mentioned throughout... I don't know when I first mentioned it on the podcast, a fair while ago, because it's been going on a fair while. Um, I've been going through the process of being uh, assessed for autism, Mm -hmm. which is something that probably should have happened sooner. (laughs) But also maybe it's good that it didn't, because I don't know uh, that necessarily having going through that process as a child in 1990s British state education was necessarily going to do me any favours. Um, but the end result is that uh, it turns out I am indeed autistic. Um, so I just kind of wanted to let our listeners know, just because in case anyone else out there has been wondering about that, I'm not saying that that you need to rush to also go through the process because it's it's not easy. It, it's not an easy thing to go through. It, it, it dredges up a lot of um, things that might potentially be traumatic. Um, and it is also at times just utterly humiliating. I, I didn't particularly appreciate having to stand uh, on the other end of a Zoom call, miming, cleaning my teeth to a complete stranger. <laughs> but... Uh, Ultimately, for me, it, it, um, having the diagnosis is something of value. It's, it's um, allowing me to recontextualise my experiences to an extent and also um, it gives me sort of certain rights with employers and things. I'm someone who is extremely reliant on, um, on headphones, on having access to, to, to music and, and podcasts and things as a means of controlling my environment to an extent. Um, and to be able to, to, to actually say to whoever my employer is that this is not just a luxury for me, but a, but a, but a basic need in order for me to function. Um, that's quite valuable. So the most important thing I think I would say is if you're at all 
curious about whether that's something that might be worthwhile for you do 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 a bit of googling do a bit of uh reading up and also have a look at some online autistic forums um because the good ones anyway will be very welcoming for anyone who who regardless of whether or not you have a formal diagnosis a formal diagnosis is not something that is accessible for everyone for reasons of time money circumstances etc but um there's there's more of us out there than i think people realize um so yeah i i, I don't want really want to say any more than that about it for now but um yeah i thought that was probably something worth mentioning oh, excellent I, I don't really know what to say now <laughs> sorry for springing that on you matt but, no no uh, no I, I think it's you know i think you've been on a bit of a journey it's nice to mm-hmm. nice to go along with you yeah and it's it's sort of like it's it has been a journey for sure but it feel like it's um you know maybe end of book one of a of um some sort of quadrilogy or something it's you know there's a a lot more to go now that i have that diagnosis and and you know can can examine my experiences through that lens Mm. if that makes any sense um but anyway um let's talk about i don't know telly what have you been watching this week man um Taskmaster's back. It is. It is. It, it, how long has that been back? off the air? It feels like every week we say we've watched Taskmaster. <laughs> and it's like new series. But uh, but I'm not complaining, Matt, because Oh no, no. It's 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 one of the only things that's basically appointment viewing for me. Mm. You know. I maybe won't be able to watch it at moment of broadcast, but I'm catching up within a couple of days. Mm. Uh, Usually, can you can you get terrestrial TV where you are? Like since they burnt down the TV mast, um, <laughs> I, I have to watch everything on iPlayer. Um, to be honest, at some point, quite soon into when we moved into our current house, which was many moons ago at this point, um, I think maybe a, a gale blew a TV aerial off or something or other. But anyway, we very quickly lost reception, and we've never bothered to fix it. You just got to retune your TV. But at this point, I'd have to find a wire and plug it in and everything. Mm. Can't be asked. We've got a Chromecast. Yeah. We never watch anything live anyway. Yeah. I think I'd care about it slightly more if I watched live sports or yeah. something. But um, sure. I feel I need to explain the, mm. the burning down the mast where we live. I suppose we, so. we pretty much live in a deep, dark valley in the middle of Yorkshire. And mm-hmm. on the top of the hill, there's a big TV mast, and without it, we can't get reception. And some utter arsehole went and burnt it down. <laughs> so, like, they, they claim it was an electrical fire. It wasn't. Someone burnt it down and turned the TV off for most of the northeast of England. <laughs> what, an, what a prank master. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, um, but yeah, I've but yeah that. so, I've so watched... are we agreed? Taskmaster is TV highlight of the week, or is yeah, it something? I've watched it? What If this week. I need to watch Star Wars Visions. Um, yeah, but... oh, I ca- I caught up on What If the other day. Okay. Um, what would you say has been your favourite so far? 
Um, let me just get the episode list up. Because I think, actually, my favourite is the one where T'Challa becomes Star-Lord. I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've appreciated all of them. Uh, I, what, what one thing that I like the most is probably the, the diversity of tone. Like, the, 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 the one that we just had about Thor was just absurd comedy the whole way through. Mm. Whereas, you know, the Doctor Strange episode was one of the bleakest half yeah. hours of TV I think I've ever witnessed. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's been... It's actually probably the most exciting thing to come out of the MCU for quite a while, I feel like. Mm. That, that's what I'm looking forward to with Star Wars Visions, you know. You know how much I hate anime, but um, mm. it'd be quite interesting to see, like, different interpretations, like a non-Western interpretation yeah. of Star Wars. You know, I, I think I might be done with Star Wars, Matt. Oh, wow. That is a big claim. I don't know. I just, I, I mean, it's never been the thing for me, right? But the the rise of the Skywalker was so stultifyingly mediocre mm. that it really killed off. I, I, and like I know, for example, people say the Mandalorian is quite good, but I'm like, a lot of stuff is quite good. I can't watch it all. Why don't I watch some? Why don't I? You know, I'm still behind on Loki, Matt. <laughs> When? Why am I going to bother with Mandalorian? Um, do you know what I mean? It's just not a universe. It, 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 I find it hard to get invested in it as a universe because I, I, I genuinely love only a small percentage of stuff that has come out of it. You, you need to go back in time. You need to play Knights of the Old Republic and Jedi Academy. Yeah. I, I think you'd love Kyle Katarn. But I, that's a name that I've heard in podcasts and things, but I've, I've, I don't really have any frame of reference for. It'd be a big investment of your time, and as we all know, you're still busy playing Mist. So <laughs> I've gotten a bit distracted by Super Mario Odyssey now. Do you know what? I downloaded Mist because it was on Game Pass. I played it for about three yeah. minutes, and I was like, I can understand why David turned this off. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I just. Um... It, it's requiring more more focus from me than I generally have to give of an evening. Mm. Um, it's one that I'll maybe revisit when my when my son is six or seven years old and we can play it together maybe. Um, but um, yeah, okay. So what's left on the list, Matt? Oh, would I lie to who? Not just any old small... would I lie to who, David. Mm -hmm. This could potentially be the finale. Yeah, because we, we've talked, I don't know whether we talked on pod or not, we may not be bringing it back next year, just to warn you listeners. Yeah, we, we did have a discussion that we totally reboot the pod for the new year. Oh. I think we, I'm still up for that. I think we should just, we should ditch all of our segments. And just and, uh, start afresh. Start afresh, I think that, that's I, I did have a think of a replacement for Meal of the Week. Where every week we eat one chocolate bar, and by the end of the year, rank a hundred chocolate bars. 
That sounds pretty good to me. That was inspired by Nopper's nut bars whilst I was eating it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think people might rage if we if we cancelled like meal of the week. You know, Marty McLean sent me a message this week saying he was watching Would I Lie to You, and it made him think of us. Like, there'll be blood in the streets, but it, I think yeah. it's such a bold decision. I think we go for it. Yeah, can't make an omelette without breaking eggs, Matt. I know, I know. Let's let's just let's just say goodbye to our listeners whilst they're still here, David. <laughs> <laughs> All twelve of them. Yeah, we need to think of another game though. I think. We need to replace Would I Lie to Who and then hopefully I can beat you next year. Yeah. Alrighty then, Matt. Lay it on me. Right. Would I Lie to Who. So, if you get this right, David, you are the champion. Yeah. If you don't get this right, the series ends in a draw and we have a tie break next week. I've had confirmation from Jake from the Married to Who podcast. Yeah. You know... This is going ahead. Fantastic. There will be a winner. I'm so excited, Matt. Right. Now, this week's Would I Lie to Who took place last weekend, David. Okay. Okay. I had some friends round, play a little bit of Warhammer. And as is customary, before we play, we have a little, like, pre-tournament celebration like a welcoming ceremony i want to see if you can guess what we did to celebrate david okay okay was it option a that we all toasted one another but because we didn't have beers because it was like half nine in the morning we toasted one another with two finger kit kats (laughs) okay plausible yeah okay is it option b that we took part in song and collectively sung the theme tune to Australian soap opera Home and Away. <laughs> yeah, okay. Or is it option C, we had a cheese exchange where each of us had brought a local cheese from where we live and we just, you know, exchanged them with one another and later in the day had a little tasting and a little sample. <laughs> Well, I know which of those three is most appealing to me. Is it the cheese exchange? It very much is the cheese exchange. The, the, sheer, the, the mere phrase cheese exchange is music to my ears, despite the fact that it's a phrase I'd never heard before. <laughs> um, for our listeners who are maybe not familiar with um, the Australian soap opera Home and Away... Would you care to give us just a little rendition, just a couple of bars? Okay. Uh, It's, you know we belong together, you and I forever and ever, no matter where you are, you're my guiding star. Mm. And from the very first moment I saw you, I never felt such devotion. I'm walking on air. Just to know, just to know you are there. Hold me in your arms. Don't let me go. I want to stay forever. Closer each day. 
duet this last part with me, David. Home, Home and, and away. away. There we go. Yeah. So, um, it's as though the 90s never left us. Yeah. Um, and option A, you, you specified two finger kick. Yeah. Yep. So You don't want to go mad. You know. You can't do a four finger before Imagine, before if you will, King Arthur's round table. But instead of I'm laying our yes. swords in the centre of the table in a mark of respect, we mm-hmm. kind of reached over with our Kit Kats, said cheers, good luck, and let mm-hmm. the games begin. They're all absolutely... I, I could I could picture you participating and in fact initiating any one of those, Matt. Um, the cheese exchange feels like it requires more preparation on everyone's part. Now you just just buy a local cheese. Mm. I got some Yorkshire fettle. Mm. Uh, do you do you often go up to the uh, Wensleydale Creamery? Not often. I can't say I, I, I'm, I'm a regular. Yeah. Close to where we live, there is a cheese museum. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? I think the cheese museum gets too much press. Because over the road from the cheese museum, there's a rope museum. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's as interesting, surely. And there's a little man that has a pottery shop. I mean, you could make an entire week's holiday yeah. out of just those three. Yeah. But everyone goes mad for the cheese museum. Everybody likes cheese, man. Mm. Though I will be honest, I'm not a big fan of Wensleydale. No, no. Too crumbly. I've been going mad for blue cheese recently. It's been haunting my dreams. Yeah. Any particular I mean, variety? I'll, I'll, I'll t- this is a little side story. This was one of the mm. stories that didn't make it to be my would I lie to who. Um, yeah. But a couple of weeks ago, we went out with all my wife's friends and their partners. And, you know, they're nice enough, but I'm not that great in that kind of social situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I like people I know. So what I did was to avoid any awkward conversation, bought myself a sharing camembert platter and just sat in the, <laughs> sat in the corner, ate the whole thing. <laughs> Did, didn't speak to a soul all night. They were just like, you're right there, Matt. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, just got me cheese. Cheers. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds blissful. That's a good coping strategy. I might have to try that next yeah. time. Um, okay, I need to I need to just go for it, don't I? I need to, to just... Um, there's so much pressure, Matt. There's so much riding on this. Okay, I'm going to eliminate the cheese platter with the okay. cheese exchange. That's gone. Um, home and away, Kit Kats. Oh, it could be either. Because of the visual, I like the visual, I'm going with the Kit Kats. Final answer. Uh, David, have you got your phone close to hand? Yeah. Do you want to send a message to Jake? Ask him if we can have a decider oh. next week. Oh. It was home and away. How, oh, I, I was so close. You made me so sing the whole thing. For it. I know. Wow. And that's the thing. I did, I did that to test you. And still I just missed it. Yeah. Oh. Right. I'm... I'm, I'm oh. 
furious with myself. I don't think I'll sleep tonight. I'm so excited. <laughs> Just waiting for my dog to stop hooting for a second. You right there, Moss? You can come in the kitchen if you like. You're not banned. Come on. Right then. Um, okay, Matt. We have the small matter of uh, Rosa. Oh, I thought you were going to say the wheelie big quiz. I was going to talk <laughs> about the wheelie big quiz for a bit. Oh, right, okay, go, go on, you do that then. Because ne- next week's shaping up to be a big episode. We've got the finale of Would I Lie to Who and the launch of the Wheelie Big Quiz. Oh, it's going to be jam-packed. Okay, so I thought, David, what I could do is just yeah. talk a little bit about our chosen charity. Go for it. As well as teasing some of the like donation goals and things for the, you know, up until Christmas. Yes, I'm sure our listeners would be uh, all ears, man. Do you think I should reveal all of them or just the low-value ones? Do a couple today and we can... Uh... I don't know. Some of the good ones are the high ones. I might go all of them. Okay, go. I'll let you be uh, the arbiter, Matt. Right. So, this year we've decided we are supporting Doctors Without Borders. And they're sometimes known by their French name, Médecins Sans Frontières. I think I said that right. Yeah, beautiful pronunciation. And they are the world's leading medical humanitarian aid organisation. Okay, so they work in over 70 countries in conflict zones, natural disasters and epidemics. They're independent, neutral and impartial and they provide medical care where it's needed most. So, we are accepting donations for that. David, did you know we've already had our first donation? Have we? Yeah. It's from that jerk, Jacobus X. He's back. (laughs) Back out the woodwork. Uh, Mm. So, we've already made £10 and we haven't done anything yet. I'm not complaining. That said, though, David, I can see how many people have listened to our pod each week. And there's quite a lot more than have made donations. It's certainly more than one. So, people need to put their hand in their pocket. So, if we raise £22, David, we can provide oxygen masks for 31 children. Hopefully, we'll hit that next week. That would be great. If we raise £48, that provides dressings to treat 40 wounded patients. Mm -hmm. And if we raise £97, we can pay for crutches for four patients with leg injuries. Now... Those are the suggestions of what you can get from the charity themselves. Yes. Here's our donations, David. (laughs) So, if we hit £100, which I'm sure we will, I will drink a pint of beans. It's tradition. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. You know, I've done my time. Yeah. What we're going to do next year is going to have to be your dog. He's like the third (laughs) co-host. What do you reckon, boss? I think he'd he'd make short work of a pint of beans, to be honest. Okay. If we raise £150, we will review Dimensions in Time for for one of our Christmas bonus episodes. Isn't that the notoriously crap, like, children in need comic relief thing? Yes, it is indeed. Right. Now, for £200, I kind of 
ran out of ideas, David. So I'm just going to read you what I typed in our document and you can make a decision here. Right. So the options are David-based, sorry, David food-based challenge. I don't know what that could right. be in the line mm -hmm. with the beans. It could be David presents an episode dressed only in his pants. Uh, socks optional. What a feast for the years that would be. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought we could maybe do a Robot Wars or Keeping Up with the Kardashians episode review. Oh, um, I, I'd be I'd be most up for that out of those. Uh, I mean, yeah, e either. I, I mean, Robot Wars, obviously, is my comfort zone. Keeping Up with the Kardashians, the polar opposite yeah. of my comfort zone. Uh, either could be entertaining. Okay. If we reach £250... I will indulge your musical tastes. What a treat that will be. Please get us to that goal, listeners. Yeah, I'm not telling you exactly what that entails yet, David. But I've got a plan. Okay. Oh, all right. If we hit £300, we will review The Five Doctors as a Christmas bonus episode. Mm. And then it's not... We're potentially going to have a busy Christmas on our hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's not £50, Mark, but I thought this was important. If we raise £324, that beats last year's total. And we will commit to watching the entire series of Class. Okay? I noticed on the document, I put, Matt will watch the entire series. And you edited it and said, David and yeah. Matt. So we'll go all in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I've... I feel like it's my duty to watch all the spin-offs eventually... Um, yeah, I, I have a really hard time actually committing to them because I don't... Mars, sorry. <laughs> Mars, shush. Um, yeah, I just, I find them all so dull. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's really hard. Um, so I, maybe that will give me the motivation I need to actually watch all of class. And again, I thought maybe we could do a bonus episode on that. Just, you know, not not one episode for each episode of the show, but just maybe just a, watch it all an overall. And dump yeah. it all into one. Yeah, just rattle through the episodes, what we like, what 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 we didn't, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. If we raise £350, yes. and this is a bigger one for me than it is for you, because at £350, we both shave our beards off. In 13 years, David, I've never seen you without a beard. I, I'm so excited. I, honestly, Matt, um, I've never been completely beardless since the age of about 19. Will, will you shave all your hair off as well? No. Oh. Oh. Look... <laughs> Uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be disorientating uh, disorientating enough for little Absorbaloff with just the beard going. Yeah. I don't want him to think an actual <laughs> imposter has just wandered in and stolen his father away from him. And everybody's favourite, David. If we raise a thousand pounds, we will kiss on pod. Yes. Yeah. You, you do keep putting that in there, don't yeah. you, Matt? It, it's like the beans. It's tradition, but. I'm going to add two little caveats, David. Mm -hmm. uh, if any one individual donates £25 or more, I'm going to invite them to suggest a topic for a bonus episode. 
Oh, great, yeah. So That's a really good I, idea. I've already had BT flibbity giggered going mad like over some virgin new media book he wants you know, us to take a look at. I'm excited. Oh, what? I hope it's Long Barrow. Oh, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to do a Long Barrow I don't know episode. what Long Barrow is. I've seen everyone on Twitter going, oh, we've just been reading Long Barrow. <laughs> Long Barrow is um, notorious. Right. Well, that's the £25 donation mark. If any one person donates £50 or more... Yes. I'm going to invite them to an online dinner party with us, David. All right then. So we'll do it. We'll do it on Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever, where mm-hmm. me and you will just have a webcam chat, eating our tea. People can join us. <laughs> I feel like you've maybe overpriced that one. Matt. Um, I don't know. I might. I might see if I can talk like. The members of the Martin McLean Hall of Fame to join us, like bits, a few <laughs> celebrity guests. Oh, that would be amazing! Like if we get Jessica Wummel involved, people will be out in droves. We'll be we'll be making bank, David. If we ask Marie on board, everyone loves yeah. that. And if we if we can if we can lock in the big man himself. Ah, you know that then then you're getting your money's worth. Yeah, I might donate fifty pounds myself. So. I don't know exactly when that dinner party will be. I'm a doer, not a thinker, David. I haven't thought any further ahead. Uh, but yeah. we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. We will. I might even save... If we get enough people, I might save the pint of beans for that. <laughs> so that pretty much wraps up. Really big quiz till next week, David, where it all kicks off. Hmm. I am excited. Um, I hope by next week we've made £30. Even though we haven't done anything, just just put some money in the tin. Yes. But bear in mind, of course, by the time this episode goes out, we'll we'll be close to recording the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, I've just put a message on Twitter saying... You all really want to give us fifty pounds? Don't ask why. <laughs> all righty then. Um, okay, Matt. I think it's probably time then to discuss a little episode called Rosa. Mm. Um, before we get your thoughts, do our listeners have much to say on the subject? Yeah, but up until today, there was only really BT flippity giggered. Everyone's come out the woodwork. I thought this would be a nice, quick shot. Twitter bit. <laughs> it's going to take bloody ages now. James <laughs> Courtney's cropped up with like 30 tweets tonight. Put me right off my <laughs> cheeseburgers. Well, how about we maybe just point our listeners in the direction of our Twitter feed if people would like to hear, um, read their thoughts in no, I don't want. Cause... I don't want to be cantankerous and like, oh, no. It's all right. Okay. There aren't that many. Everyone else's right, is quite let's... short. It's just you know who. BT, Flibbity Giggard and James Courtney and their competition <laughs> to send the most tweets. <laughs> is uh, is uh, BT's uh, title as curator in Jeopardy? No, no, no. We can't take that away. <laughs> uh, speaking of titles, I'll tell you what, we, we got a lovely message this week from Marie on her induction to the Martin McLean Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And what I thought about was 
how nice that was. And then when we inducted Jessica Woman, we got a nice message saying thank you. And then when I asked you if you wanted to give a speech, you just went, no, move on. <laughs> I, I might I might revoke your, like, your entry. <laughs> uh, come on then, let's, let's get to it. Right, we're going to start with Clover. Say hello, David. Hello, Clover. Okay, they say, this is my second favourite episode of Series 11. I think that it tells the story of Rosa Parks beautifully. I also like how it shows... How it shows, sorry, 1950s America. You could actually feel that it was the time. I also think the ending is beautiful Will with I'll Rise Up playing in the background as Rosa refuses to give up her seat. It really is a powerful moment. Excuse me, did a little burp, had a little beer. Okay. It's a shame that the villain isn't really memorable. I can't even remember his name. It's an 8 out of 10 episode for me. Excellent. Uh... Who else have we got? Okay, next is Ariel. Say hello, David. Hello, Ariel. Ariel says, I like this episode and the educational value, but there have been criticisms of its portrayal of Rosa Parks, and I agree that oversimplifying it wasn't great. It gave the best character moments yet for Yaz and Ryan, and importantly discussed the racism still ingrained in society. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Then we have Frank. Say hello, David. Hello, Frank. Uh, he says, it was pretty good, but definitely stretches what Doctor Who as a show is capable of tackling, even with an expert guest writer. What I mean by this is there's super powerful ideas and moments, but then also cheesy leather jacket-wearing, toothpick-chewing space racist. <laughs> yep, that's a succinct way to put it. Okay, do you want to say hello to James Swift, David? I do. Hello, James Swift. He says, I recently rewatched Series 11, so this... So my opinion was more out updated. This is one of my favourite historical episodes. It's incredibly important and feels so different. All the main cast are doing some of their best work and they all have a scene each that breaks my heart. Mm. Lovely stuff. Uh, who's next? Uh, next is Jake from Married to Who. Who holds Hello, the power of Would I Lie to Who in his hands. <laughs> okay. Jake says, mostly good, probably the episode I've researched the most from this series. The setting and production design are incredible. The actors all do well, and I absolutely love the Banksy jokes. Jodie is at her best when she is doing righteous indignation, and she kills it here. The bad stuff. The writers seem to think Ryan is stupid, and it's a little disingenuous to make it seem like the civil rights movement wouldn't have happened without this one incident. The Emmett Till murder sparked action all over the South. I understand the need to group a whole movement into one incident when writing a 50-minute drama, so it's really just a nitpick. Mm. That's fair. Um, who else have we got? Who do you want next? Courtney or Flibbers? Let's go Flibbers. Flibbers. Uh, let me scroll up to the top of their messages. Just give me half an hour to do that, David. Right, so, BT Flibbity Giggard says, This is a deeply frustrating episode to me. There's so many things it does right, but at the same time there are so many missed opportunities and generally iffy decisions that I can't say I love or even really like it all that much. Part of the frustration is because, well, I'm American, and the Montgomery bus boycott is one of those historical events that I've learned about over and over, with the school system gradually adding more details to create a more complete and complex story. Rosa seemed stuck at a fourth grade understanding of the events, which made it deeply frustrating to me, 
when the UK reviewers in particular fell over themselves praising the episode. Not to mention that a more detailed and interesting historical understanding of the events would have opened the door for an episode that avoided some of my other problems with this episode. Let's start with Rosa Parks herself. Her decision to refuse to give up her seat wasn't spontaneous, and it was far from a unique thing. The NAACP, which Parks was very involved in, knew that there had been a number of times when black people had been kicked off buses in Alabama and other states for similar incidents. They knew that if they had a well-respected member of the community involved in one of those incidents, they could create a successful boycott and a movement that would shine a light on the way Alabama was getting around already existing civil rights laws with the de facto permission of the federal government. It was pretty much the opposite of spontaneous. The NAACP had been laying the groundwork for carpools, shoe funds and other essential elements that kept the boycott going. Parks had a straight up agreed that if the opportunity presented itself, she would take it and become a central figure in the ensuing court case and boycott. With all this in mind, you can see why I found Rosa kind of frustrating. It's a dramatisation of a child's understanding of history. And a lot of the other issues with the episode stem from the fact that it doesn't use the actual historical events to its advantage. Imagine if instead of seeming like a complete doofus who doesn't know a pretty significant historical event, despite it being his grandma's area of interest, Ryan started out with that more basic understanding of history and grew to appreciate the planning and determination of Parks and the NAACP over the course of the episode. Imagine if, instead of being hamstrung by the idea of not changing history, the TARDIS team got involved with the history in the same way a massive number of ordinary people did. Imagine if Crasco, the time-travelling racist, thought he succeeded, only for it to be revealed that all he'd done was turn what might have been the Rosa Parks moment into a near miss. I think the reason why I'm so frustrated is because there's a lot that Rosa gets right. The historical setting and casual cruelty of 50s racism is incredibly well done, and the different members of the TARDIS team get all get their own moments of dealing with the reality of being in this time and place based on their individual identities and personalities. I actually love Ryan blasting Crasco into the past. It's a fitting piece of dramatic irony for someone who wants to turn back the clock on civil rights to have the passage of time turned against him. It's alright, I've only got three more to go. Some of the ending bits feel a bit too optimistic and fall into the whole march of process historical lie, but that I can forgive due to being pitched towards kids in the audience. But the kids in the audience don't excuse the childish view of an important historical event. They obviously know that kids can handle some of the dark parts of history. The rest of the episode proves that. What I can't understand is why they emphasise the dark parts whilst ignoring so much of the heroism of Rosa Parks and other civil rights activists of the time. I don't hate this episode, and I do appreciate what it's trying to do, but I can't help but see it as a massive missed opportunity of epic proportions. When you're going to do a historical episode like this one, a missed opportunity is the last thing you want. A lot of interesting thoughts there. Um, Some that I maybe agree with, some that I maybe don't agree with, but we'll sort of see how how things play out this episode. Um, Right. Shall we end with Courtney? Let's do it. Say hello, David. Hello, David. Yes. Save the best till last. Uh, So, James Courtney says, hello, David and Matt. Uh, He's stealing your catchphrase there, David. Mm -hmm. You're the one that says hello. I can say hello, hello. Okay. 
And he says, can I start by saying, woohoo, RTD is back. You, you can, we'll allow it. Yeah. Right, anyway, on to Rosa. This is an episode with some really strong moments coupled with some quite weak ones. Everything to do with Rosa was incredibly strong. It's a rare celebrity historical that takes itself seriously. And it's all the more powerful because of that. The closest we have come to this before is Vincent and the Doctor. Whilst they yeah. both treat the subject seriously, I think that Vincent handles other aspects better. The biggest instance of this disparity for me was with the antagonist. With Vincent, we had the invisible alien that didn't really play a big part in the episode. It was just a metaphor for Vincent and his struggle with his mental health. Crasco, on the other hand, has the subtlety of Jeremy Clarkson driving a Lamborghini to a funeral. He thunders around with his weirdly hyperfixated grudge against Rosa Parks. Sure, what she did was important, but it's just one small step in the march for equal rights. Furthermore, what she did didn't have to happen at the exact time. There would have been other opportunities for her to do that. We know this because Rosa wasn't the first person to refuse to give up her seat. Just the first person society deemed somewhat acceptable. I just wish they were brave enough to have had no sci-fi in the story. Another similarity is with the pop music at the crescendo. With Vincent, we had already gone to a heightened place as we travelled to the present day before building to the emotional ending. With this, every aspect of the story was building towards that tense ending. The music then tries to switch the tone to defiance, which, whilst understandable, the choice of using pop music just took me right out the moment. It happens too quickly and becomes jarring. It's annoying as it was so good just before that happened as they realised that they were part of the moment. The rest of the episode's music was fantastic. It carried on the tradition of occasionally theming the score like a town called Mercy. The acting was great all round even though some of them didn't have much to do, such as Yaz, and the bit at the end with the asteroid was a bit odd. Sorry I've gone on too long now, I'll end with the TARDIS set. Believe it or not, but it uses the same space as Capaldi's. Those dark, unlit walls really hired the poorly used space. Yeah. Um, a lot of interesting thoughts. We talked, did we, we've talked about the set, haven't we? The TARDIS yeah, set. Yeah, I said I really didn't like it. It was too dark and dingy. It, how, how do you feel about it this week? Uh, never really see it, do we? Other than right at the beginning. Not massively. And uh, to be honest get used to that it doesn't feature very heavily this series and by all accounts it's because it was a bit of a nightmare to shoot it. really <laughs> yeah it's um swing and a miss for me is that tardis set I'll, I'll 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 leave it at that um okay so a lot of uh, overall positive but kind of tempered positive i feel like generally for this episode um how did you feel about it matt I had the greatest sense of relief when I watched this. I was so worried Doctor Who was going to be like, uh, you know, Rosa Parks, uh, she's just an alien. She fought the Daleks. I was so worried. Like, I, I, honestly, I, I don't think I've paid more attention to an episode in a long time. Because I was just like, when are they going to totally shoot themselves in the foot with this yeah well, credit yeah. where it's due it, it wasn't all bad no what, what what i would say is if doctor who is going to do a rosa parks episode 
this is the best anyone can hope for mm. out of that. Whether or not Doctor Who should ever have even attempted a Rosa Parks episode, I feel like it's still open to debate. Um, I think it does the best job it can with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that Doctor Who is the right platform for telling that story. No, no. I, I, I just feel like I, I know I'm always pretty critical of the historicals. But I just think there's, like, some things you just don't touch. Yeah, yeah. And and to be fair, that is, you know, explicitly the tack that this episode takes. It's, you know, they are not trying to intervene. It's not, like, it's not something a lot of people worried about was the Doctor, like, giving Rosa Parks the idea. Mm. That kind of thing. And, and, and no, this this... This story takes away none of Rosa Parks' agency and doesn't alter her actions very consciously. Um, but, you know, it, it really, it's an attempt, another example of the Chibnall era sort of trying to harken back to the Hartnell days in a way of basically using Doctor Who as a platform for a history lesson. Mm-hmm. And as uh, Flibbers pointed out, possibly, you know, as a history lesson, it's a touch frustrating because it's a bit surface level. And whilst I think there was a bit of an attempt to make clear that there was a wider context, you know, we have that scene with, with, with Ryan at the, at the meeting with Martin Luther King and other activists we don't really get much of a sense of exactly what they are planning, the wider, what are they discussing, the wider context in which Rose's actions take place. And as the moment itself plays out, of course, it's ambiguous. You, you if you, if you're in the know, you could read it as, as a, um, intentional act of protest, um, rather than just a spontaneous spur-of-the-moment thing. But also, I would totally forgive anyone who's, who watched that scene with, and without that wider reading, read it as spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I, I found it very impactful on my first watch. And I think, as I've re-watched it, that's kind of lessened a little bit. I think it's easier to see the flaws once you kind of, you know what this episode is going to do, what it's not going to do. Like you, the first time I watched it, I did have that kind of tension. Uh, and, and if anything, that kind of played into the final scenes being really impactful. But I was like, oh God, no, they did. <laughs> you know, there was a sense of relief <laughs> on, on top of everything. Um, yeah, I... I I probably... I seem to pick up an an extra couple of niggles with it every time I watch it. But ultimately, I think it does what it's set out to do. So, to use the usual ranking system, uh, good episode, some bad bits, I think is where I'd land on it. Yeah, I think I'd say so. Like I say, once I'd watched it, I, I think I'd largely have positive things to say about it. But that yeah. that fear that they were going to be inappropriate really did worry me. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and uh, to be f- and again, I'm glad that it was attempted. You know, this is Doctor Who in 2018, doing it uh, under Chris Chibnall, and and not say, I don't know, RTD in 2008, or. Um, John Nathan Turner back in the mid eighties, mm. you know, we should probably count our blessings in that respect. Okay, so should we just jump in? Let's do it. So this is Rosa. It is episode three of season eleven, written by Mallory Blackman and Chris Chibnall. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Chris Chibnall, RTD's back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be one of them. <laughs> you decided. Yeah. And it's directed by Mark Tondorai, who I think who, directed last week's episode. He did, yeah. And I will say, I don't love his direction in this. Mm. There are some very obviously composed shots and things where, like, the gang are standing in a very particular formation. And, and I'm just like... They, they wouldn't just naturally stand like that. Mm. You just made them stand that way because you wanted it to look like an advert. Um, yeah. And this episode was released on the 21st of October 2018. Yeah. So if you want to go back to the 20th of October 2018, why not listen to episode three of our pod where we review <laughs> The Unquiet Dead? Uh, Abs- your favourite episode. Absolutely turd of an episode I might even delete that episode from our like RSS feed just like totally don't want to be associated with Unquiet Dead it's funny because Jake from Married to Who made his bold prediction that RTD is going to bring back Mark Gattis I wouldn't hate that just saying Mm. do you think we're going to get the Brigadier back before he was a robot that blasted off into space. Oh, I bloody hope not. Yeah. You know, b- big finish have got John Coleshaw doing him. Really? That's enough, surely. Oh, maybe we'll get the adventures of the robot brigadier that blasted off into space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's something we didn't really touch on. RTD did say in an interview a few months ago, before this news came out, that, that um, Doctor Who should be sustaining an MCU style universe of spin-offs and he sort of had a dry run of that with Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood running simultaneously but um, yeah I don't know whether that's something that is genuinely on the cards and that the BBC will be keen to do we'll see time will tell we'll see yeah right so we open in Montgomery Alabama in 1943 Mm. Rosa Parks is played by Vinette Robinson who was actually also in the episode 42 David yeah she was indeed she's back yeah she's very good in this okay. like it's almost a, I want to say it's almost a bit of a thankless task isn't it because like she doesn't get to do anything fun in this at all um, and playing a historical figure and especially a historical figure that we have you know, archive footage of and, and things like that. That's a challenge mm. for an actor because you don't just want to make it an impersonation. You want them to feel like a real living person. Um, 
So yeah, I think she does a she does an absolutely bang up job. Okay. So we see Rosa Parks get on the bus. The driver tells her to get off and use the coloured door. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, she's manhandled a little bit before she eventually sits down. She then has to leave the bus and use the rear entrance. However, the bus driver just drives away as soon as she leaves mm-hmm. to go through the back door. Yeah. And, you know, already that is a real incident. Really? Yeah. That's, that is, uh, um, and, and it was the same driver. Oh, James Blake. You know, yeah, James Blake. And, and, and you know, same, in, as same actor in this uh, episode as well. Um, and I think that's, I, I'm, I'm glad they used that. I did think it, it wrong-footed some people. Um, and when I say some people, I include myself in that. Mm-hmm. Because it was... I, I will hold my hand up here, by the way, and say... I don't know about you, Matt. British schools do not tell this story well. No. If at all. No. I, going it's, into this, I knew the bare basics. Yeah. Um, so I think for a lot of British viewers that incident will have been new information. And I think a fair few of them, like me, when the first time I was like, oh, has, it's not gone right. Maybe the doctor's got to try and fix the... Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but we were just 10 years too early. We were just... Exactly, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so... so uh, good, because I learned something from that, but also slightly disorienting if you're not already familiar with that incident, I feel like. Yeah. Okay, so we then jump forward to 1955. Uh, The TARDIS appears in an alleyway, and this is their 14th attempt at aiming for Sheffield. Yeah, already big finish, there's your opening. (laughs) There we go. It's just just crying out, isn't it? Yeah. You You could get three, four box sets out of that easy. So, I just need to draw your attention, David, because Yaz asks where they are now. And Mm -hmm. if you remember last week, I said I would highlight the next point Yaz was involved in the plot. Um, So it was pretty much the entire duration of last episode into this episode before she actually does anything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Graham says that they could see Elvis. Yeah. uh, Which I'd have quite liked to have seen. Wasn't was it the Doctor and Rose that were looking for Elvis at one point? Yes, uh, the Idiot's Lantern. They're aiming for an Elvis concert and end up uh, in in London during the coronation. Mm-hmm. So they realise in Montgomery, there's high levels of Artron energy. Mm-hmm. Always good to hear that coming back. Yep. Can charge the TARDIS whilst they're there. Why not? Okay. And then when he helps to help... Sorry, when he attempts to help a lady who's dropped her hanky, Ryan gets slapped because he's tried to help a white man's wife. And this is where we get the first interaction between the TARDIS group and Rosa Parks. She intervenes. That that slap, it's so shocking, isn't it? Mm. Like, it's really, really well played. I feel like, because um, it, it's so visceral and quick, and it's just like, I should, it, with hindsight, I should have seen it coming, but the first time I watched it, I absolutely didn't. 
Uh, Rosa mentions the Emmett Till murder. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that Rosa Parks has Artron energy. So again, mm. this is where I was just so worried because I was like, that that scene brought up a lot of quite serious instances. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, I just thought, oh my God, she's got the Artron energy. I really hope yeah. she's not an alien. How, how are they going to play the, the absolute dead seriousness of this situation with the sort of usual campy sci-fi nonsense that is Doctor Who? Yeah. Yeah. I... I... I was worried. Mm-hmm. Okay. At this point, we see some guy scan, then shoot the TARDIS. Yeah. And Ryan begins to misremember Rosa's story. Yeah. Now, people don't like this because they, they're like, oh, why would Ryan be that stupid? Um, I think the answer is because the writers thought it would be funny. Yeah, but um, I can't remember exactly what it is that he says. But again, he says he says that Rosa Parks was the first black woman to drive a bus. Right. Okay. Because what I, what I was gonna say is perhaps he's not stupid. He's uneducated. Like I say, it's not mm-hmm. prevalent in British teaching. But for him to assume that she drove the bus, yeah, he's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think most kids by the time they finish school would at least be able to say that it was that it was to do with the American Civil Rights Movement and it was to do with not giving your seat up for a white person. Yeah. You know. But the, they, they may not have any other context for it than that, but we, that is the, the bare minimum that I think the majority of British adults have when it comes to Rosa Parks. Yeah. So they realise it's the day before the Rosa Parks bus incident and I, I didn't like this scene. It's where the cafe they're in refuses to serve them. And mm-hmm. the Doctor tries to get Ryan and Yaz to go back to the TARDIS. I, I just think that's a very undoctory move. I think she's just genuinely worried for their safety. Yeah, but I, you know. I, I don't know. I just think my idea of the, the Doctor wouldn't have suggested that. I I, I, yeah. I do get the, well, the reason why, but I just, I don't know. I think it was an attempt for them to underscore that this is not, this is genuinely serious. Yeah. You know, we're not messing about here with this level of, of racism. This is, this is real. It's a real threat. Mm. Um, but also I think potentially it's interesting you say, maybe this is a new doctor. We're still getting to know this Doctor. Yeah. Maybe she does just play things a little bit differently. Yeah. So, they they refuse. And yeah. we see the guy from earlier approach Rosa, the guy that was shooting at the TARDIS. Yeah. So, the Doctor and her friends, her gang, follow the Artron energy to mm-hmm. an empty warehouse. Mm-hmm. Except it's not empty. There's an invisible suitcase full of future tech. Yes. Now, here's one of those little niggles. It's such a minor nitpick, but it did bother me. And again, it's a, it's a direction thing. Um, this, the, the, the tech in that suitcase is laid out incredibly neatly, like a museum display. Mm. 
you know, here's this thing and this thing and this thing and things like neatly spaced out. If this guy was, you know, had come to do a job and that's where he's hiding it, first of all, why would he hide it right in the middle? It's got a perception filter on it. People could still trip over it, though. It still exists. Tuck it into a corner. Yeah. Um, secondly, um, you know, even if he had laid it flat like that, the stuff would be, like, jumbled up in it. It's still a suitcase. Yeah. It didn't have, like, a special foam fittings with it with like a, a a special insert for every um device I, I wonder if perhaps it was because whatever the weapons were that he had like he had a time gun yeah they might have been so dangerous that he kept them arranged as such if you know what i mean yeah you know he didn't want them just to <sighs> rattle and go off maybe but again you know if that's the case Get a foam insert for your case. Yeah, yeah, I'm to- I'm totally with you on that one. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's like this is not this is this is not the important part of this episode, but it's those kinds of things that really start to jump out at me as as irksome. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that chap that seems to be causing all the trouble arrives and shoots mm-hmm. at them. Yeah. And. In conversation with the Doctor, we find out he has a temporal displacement weapon. Oh. Okay. So it is something that can shoot you back through time. Yes. Okay. And this is... I I don't know whether I'm right or not in this. So mm. I might be totally wrong when I say this. I, I don't think in this whole episode... The word racist or racism is used. I think they... that's an interesting point. I don't know. I, can't, I um. I think you may well be right. I there. think they refer to it obviously as like the movement for the civil rights movement. Uh huh. Um, but like that guy is just there, and you know he says, "Oh, things go terribly wrong because of her." And I don't... Yeah. I don't yeah, well, know... I mean, he's, he wouldn't self-identify as a racist. Yeah, but even when they're saying, you know, oh, I think even when Yaz speaks to Ryan, and they're like, oh, things were bad for people like us back now. I, yeah. I don't think yeah. they used the term racist or racism at all. That's an interesting point. I'd not, I'd not noticed that. Yeah. It was just something... I, I, like I say, I could be dead wrong. But it was just something I thought I'd noticed as the episode yeah. went on. Yeah. Alrighty. Right. So, like I said, the bloke shoots at them. He's got a temporal displacement weapon. Okay. So he tells them to get out of Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, so the doctor scans him with the sonic screwdriver before he leaves. And she seems to hint that she knows something... He doesn't. Mm. Um, and like I say, the, I don't know, it's it's a bit surreal that the Doctor does that and seems to have a plan, but then they spend the rest of the episode working out a plan. I don't know that she's got a plan. She's just, she's gathering up the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, that that might be so. Okay, so they eventually hide out in a motel. And they're trying to work out why this guy hasn't already killed Rosa. 
Clearly, mm. that's part of his plan, part of his ultimate goal. And they want to work out why he hasn't already done that. He could have. Yeah. Okay. The doctor jokes that she could be Banksy. Yeah. Uh, did that did that land for you? Uh, no, not really. Yeah. That it struck me as one of those Doctor Who trying to be down with the kids jokes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, one wonders. I mean. I mean. <sighs> Banksy gags were passe by 2018 anyway, so, yeah. Um, Okay, so the policeman knocks on the door and Mm. informs them it is illegal to harbour coloureds. And I I must say, like, I I know it's easy for me to say this as, like, middle-class white guy, the the use of the term coloureds really, like, upset me. Yeah, it, it gives me the heebies. Like, for sure. I, I know it was the language of the time, and I know there's people far more informed to talk about it than me. But it, by not shying away from the issue, it did kind of make me think, you know, how serious they were taking it. Yeah, it's it's really jarring, and it. it, it I I think it's a great little performance from the guy that plays the police officer. He is so menacing mm. just with his voice and his physicality and the fact that well yeah because he's, he he's just a so big guy unreservably racist <laughs> you know uh, yeah so and you really really fear for for Yaz and Ryan in that scene so as well as the doctor being Banksy Graham is Steve Jobs <laughs> and I do kind of like this, just because, like, obviously Graham is trying to improvise and his his brain goes somewhere and it's like, you know, when you, when you can't shake a thought, so you just keep digging. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Bradley Welsh plays that bit quite well. Um, and there's also a lovely moment, because obviously they're, they're sort of proposing as husband and wife. There's a lovely moment where... Um, they're sort of seeing the officer out the door and and uh, Graham puts his arm over uh, the doctor's shoulders and she just sort of just looks at it with a sort of mixture of confusion <laughs> and disgust. Yeah. The policeman then searches the bathroom. He's looking for mm-hmm. Ryan, obviously, because he is mm-hmm. black and he also believes Rosa to be Mexican rather than uh, is yes. she Pakistani. Sorry, Yaz. Yeah. Not Rosa. Yeah. Yeah, Yaz is Yaz is British Pakistani. Um and uh Yeah, but has already been been mistaken for Mexican. Yeah. Earlier in the episode. Yeah. Um so they're hid in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's quite a hard hitting moment because they are cowering behind a bin. Yeah, it is. I I, I'm mixed on that scene. I think... I think that the actors do a really good job with it, but the scene as written, I think, is a little bit clunky. It feels a little bit drama school. It's, like, very on the nose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it just kind of... There's a nice bit towards the end when they're starting to joke a bit more and, and it feels more natural at that point. 
Um, but up until that, it is a little bit like, yes, I too have experienced racism in my life. Mm. Um, but it's very well-intentioned, though. Very well-intentioned scene. Right. So, Graham mentions that he misses Grace. And yeah. they do research in order to fall. Can I say, I miss Grace too. Yeah, me too. I'd, I'd she have, makes such an impact in that first episode, doesn't she? I'd it? have her over any of the others. <laughs> yeah. um, so they do research to form a plan in order to protect Rosa and ensure that the bus incident goes ahead as planned. Yeah. Uh, so they take the bus. Ryan has to sit at the back. And mm-hmm. Yaz sits at the front but is very uneasy with that privilege. Mm-hmm. Okay. They eventually get to talk to Rosa and begin to track her movements. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Ryan follows Rosa home and she warns him about his behaviour. He's drawing attention to himself in a place where that's obviously not going to help them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the doctor again scans the man's future tech. And he appears to have been in Storm Cage Prison. Mm-hmm. Did that ring bells for you? No, but it, it seemed important. Uh, River Song. Ah, right. See, I went the other way. I thought it was going to end up that one of these guys was going into Storm Cage Prison. Right. Ah, yeah. right. So just, just a nice little callback. Okay, so he has a neural restrictor. He can't kill Rosa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he does strangle the doctor, but can't kill her. And yeah. the doctor, at this point, works out that he can't kill. So yeah. he's trying to do something else. Well, I think she already knew. Right. And was kind of egging him on. <laughs> it's. I think it's a really interesting doctory moment for her, because... She's like, okay, I've got a theory. I'm going to test it. I'm going to push his buttons. He's going to try and kill me. And if I'm correct that he has a neural restrictor, he won't be able to. It's a high-risk approach. Um, So, yeah, I I actually kind of really like that moment. We haven't really talked yet about how are you feeling about Crasco as a villain at this point? You know, with his sort of teddy boy outfit. He, and, uh... He's one of the worst villains. <laughs> like, I, I I appreciate his, like, motives. Yeah. But, I, I, but at the same time, I, I don't think they could have done, like, uh, a Slovene hunting Rosa Parks. That... No, I... A lot of people talk about it as, like, one of the absolute worst villains. I don't think I agree with that, to be honest. Yes, he is extremely one note, but that's all this episode needs. And I think the guy that plays him plays him perfectly because he is just an asshole. Mm. He's just a nasty, racist asshole with no redeeming features whatsoever. Um, and I think that's that's fine. Mm. Sometimes not every villain has to be the master they don't all have to be these complex bundles of neuroses and aspirations and things like that they can just be horrible people you know and that's what we have here mm. so he's called Crasco. he's a white supremacist yeah. from the future yeah and his 
aim is to well instill white supremacy by ensuring the Rosa incident never occurs. Yeah. Now, as as some of our tweeters have pointed out, very flawed logic that the idea that you take out this one moment of the entire American civil rights movement doesn't happen, I think is is uh, stretching things a little far. But maybe, maybe it's not about that. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, maybe that's what Krasko thinks because he is deluded and has become fixated on this incident. That doesn't necessarily make it true. But then... I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm debating this in my head now because I'm like, well, why is the Doctor going to such efforts then? <laughs> it's, at the end of the day, it's that thing of they wanted to tell a Rosa Parks story. They wanted to give audiences the history lesson. Perfectly valid, noble intention. But it's Doctor Who, so there has to be a reason for the Doctor and her many companions to be there. They've got to have something to do without taking away the agency of Rosa Parks as a character. That's a very challenging thing. I don't think they could have done it any differently to what they did, ultimately. Right. Whilst gathering intel, whilst formulating a plan, uh, Rosa introduces Ryan to her husband and to Martin Luther King. (laughs) I like this moment for Ryan. It's I think it's very cute. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, hi, Martin Luther King. Uh, yeah, yes, Rosa Parks. Yeah. <laughs> like, just completely starts. Yeah, drunk. it's the moment where the gravity of the situation seems to have hit him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I did like that part. Um, yeah. uh, Graham has gone to the bar where all the bus drivers go so he can talk to mm-hmm. James Blake. And it turns out there's a rotor change. So James yeah. Blake isn't working tomorrow. Crasco has manipulated events. So things aren't going to go ahead as planned. Mm-hmm. So Ryan tells Rosa that ultimately things will get better. Yeah. Um, have they? Yes, as as Ryan says, not perfect, but better. But better, yeah. Uh, so, Crasco can't kill Rosa, so he keeps changing things, like the bus rotor. So, the Doctor and Yaz tell the replacement driver he's won a contest, and he can go to Vegas to see Frank Sinatra. Yeah, least convincing American accent of the episode. Yeah. My wife loves Sinatra. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, makes me chuckle every time that. Okay. Uh, whilst he's fishing, uh, James Blake is interrupted by Graham and Ryan. You know, mm-hmm. he says that there's no coloreds allowed at the riverside, so they mm-hmm. just take a little sit down and eventually drive him away from fishing. I really like that scene. Yeah, I think the whole scene, start to finish, is really funny. I don't know. I wonder if James Blake was alive to see this episode. <laughs> well, I doubt it. Um, wonder what that's a that's a point. I don't. I've never thought about like. Does he ever? Uh, does he, did he ever regret his involvement in? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, did he ever have? Uh, yeah, because 
it, he would have lived for a long time afterwards, presumably. Do you think he just said he regretted it when he saw the way things were going? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That's uh, that's a Wikipedia article that I'm going to have to read later. No? Yeah, Thanks. definitely. Um, so, the Doctor tears her coat and goes to Rosa for repairs. Yeah. Uh, Yaz stays with Rosa whilst the uh, coat's being fixed just to ensure everything goes according to plan and everything is okay. Yeah. Uh, everything is going okay, except Crasco blew up uh, Blake's bus. Uh-huh. Says that it's youthful vandals that blew it up. Um, mm. So Graham then steals a bus and makes Blake drive it. And Crasco yeah. is fuming. Yeah. So fuming that he makes posters to say that the bus service has stopped. <laughs> That bit did make me He's laugh. He's throwing shit at a wall at this point, that isn't it? That bit made me laugh, because he was like, oh, I'll, I'll show you, I'll get you for this. And he just went and printed some posters. You know, and in the 50s, yeah. it's not the case that he could just go down the library, use their post, their printer. No, no, he's re- he would have really had to... Um, uh... Put some effort in, yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. so... Uh, Crasco has put the posters up. The bus service... The bus service stops. Okay. So Rosa then might disrupt things herself by finishing late mending the doctor's coat. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Yaz begins to worry. And ultimately, everything goes according to plan, except when they get on the bus, there's too few witnesses, which means Rosa won't be asked to stand because there's a lot of empty seats. And mm-hmm. Crasco parked cars in the bus's way. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, Ryan uses some of the future tech. I think the doctor had stolen it earlier in the episode. Yeah. And just shoots Crasco into the past. Yeah. I mean, good riddance, I guess. Yeah. Not sure the Doctor would have 100% approved of that. No, certainly not this Doctor that doesn't like anything mm. about, you know, violence. Yeah, but uh, anyway, Brian does it and there are absolutely no consequences. Yeah, and Rosa then does get on the bus. Yeah. Okay, Graham wants to get off, says, you know, I don't want to watch this, I know what happens, you know, he's really yeah. uncomfortable. Um, really, really good understated performing from Bradley Walsh yeah, there yeah he does really well uh, but it turns out they need to be there because if they get off their seats become free Rosa Parks doesn't have to stand so they're part of the story Yeah, which I thought was quite, quite nice quite clever yes definitely I think it's the most impactful part of the episode to be honest mm. and then because the thing is it kind of it what I feel like it does on a on a more subtextual level is it kind of reminds a lot of people that they that they can just by participating in the system they can be part of the problem. Mm. You know, it, it, I don't think it, it's it's not like hitting you overhead with that message, but I think that's there if you want to see it. Mm-hmm. So things happen as they did. Okay, Rosa refuses to stand. And is ultimately arrested for that. Yes. Okay. And once back on the TARDIS, 
we do get a little history lesson. Mm, and it could have done without this. It felt very Saturday morning cartoons, you know, Captain Planet mm. at the end where you learn a little bit of history, a little lesson. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's good that they acknowledge that because of this act, it wasn't like, A, Rosa Parks did not fix racism, and B, as a direct result of, of her uh, activism, she actually suffered quite a lot, you know, that she, both her and her husband struggled to get work and, you know, they didn't have an easy go of it. Yeah. In the sub in, in the following years, um, the the asteroid is a very odd choice. I feel like, mm-hmm. like that if you can you can pop on Wikipedia, and you can see all of the many many tributes and accolades and things that have been. Uh, Things that have been named after Rosa Parks and stuff over the over the decades. Now, of course, the asteroid is the spacey one, so I get that. But ultimately, is having a lump of space rock named after you that big of an honour? Yeah. Is that a good way to judge somebody's impact? Yeah. Not even a moon, an asteroid. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, just going back to what we were saying earlier, I'm just on the James Blake Wikipedia. Yeah. uh, And the only really thing it says about his life after the incident was uh, that commenting on the events afterwards, Blake stated, I wasn't trying to do anything to that Parks woman except my job. She was in violation of the city code, so what was I supposed to do? That damn bus was so full and she wouldn't move back. I had my orders. I had police powers. Any driver for the city did. So the bus filled up and a white man got on and she had his seat. I told her to move back and she wouldn't do it. So it doesn't sound that remorseful, does he? No, no, that's not great. Um, All right, then. Uh, Commenting on his death in 2002, Rosa Parks got the last laugh because she said, I'm sure his family will miss him. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Well, um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I think I, I should probably mention, I, I know James mentioned it in his tweets. Uh, the the song, the music mm. used at the end of the episode. How did you feel about it? I I I could have done without it. Yeah. But I don't think it was the worst choice in the world. No, I mean, I don't. I, I think I probably said in our Vincent the Doctor episode. I don't like its use there either. I'm not a big fan of pop music being used as score in Doctor Who. I don't mind it when it's used in context. You know, somebody plays a piece of pop music and it's you know part of the scene. But as um, is what is what's the phrase? Digging into my media studies A level, non diegetic. Uh, it could be. Yeah, I don't like pop music when it's used in a non diegetic way in Doctor Who. And some things is fine because you know some director like Quentin Tarantino is a great example of someone who, or more recently maybe um, you know the Guardians of the Galaxy films, things like that, where they make it a very central point of how the the film is scored. 
but for Doctor Who, I don't feel like it really works. It takes me out of an episode. Um, and whilst I look, I appreciate that the, the song in question, which I've, I've Googled to make sure I've got it right, it's a Rise Up by Andra Day. Okay. Um, became a sort of unofficial anthem for the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. So totally respect the decision that that's the song you use. However, my pedantic brain can't help but think about the fact that the lyrics are saying that she's rising up where her act of defiance is staying seated. Yeah. yeah. I, I know that's that's petty and pedantic and it's, you know, it's about what the lyrics mean. It's it's still, you know, it's an act of, of, of defiance still, but... I don't know. I can't unthink that thought every time I watch that scene. So uh, there you go. Sorry, listeners, if I've ruined that for anyone else. No. no. Uh, so overall, yeah, I think it's it's as good as anyone could have hoped it to be. Uh-huh. This episode. You got any, anything else to say about it, Matt? No, I think I think we've covered the major beats. I wanted to. I wanted to cover. Excellent. Um, All righty then. Then it only remains for me to say uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and do join us next week when we will be discussing arachnids in the UK. Oh, great. Pun pun for a title. Yeah. Pendulum's totally swung the other way now, hasn't it? (laughs) A very tortured pun at that. Yeah. Like that is uh, that is a full scale dad joke of an of a um, so from Rosa Parks title. to probably big spiders. I'm guessing. I mean, it, it could be something else. A big come big, on, think. big scorpion. Technically, they're arachnids. Who are they? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh. Eight legs. Well, uh, let tune in next week then, and, and and find out whether whether we're talking about big spiders or big scorpions. <laughs> yes. Hopefully we're talking about how much money we've made already for the Wheelie Big Quiz. Ah, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't that That's be That's what I really want to talk about. Well, well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? But until then, as always, thank you so much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.